Hey everybody, welcome to the Simplicity and Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Josh McAllister. My hope for this podcast is to dive deeper, to learn more about what makes people successful. Um, I'm going to interview people from different walks of life, different backgrounds, working in sports, working in the arts, musicians, the entertainment side of things. Uh, I hope that through these interviews, we can find a little bit more information about why they're successful, what they do to achieve success. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and let's get started. Hey everybody, this is Josh, your host of the Simplicity and Performance Podcast. Uh, I'm excited because I've had to work pretty hard to get our, our, our guest today on the show. He's a, he's a busy guy working for a busy team, and uh, he, he's one of the best in my opinion, so I can't wait for him to share his experiences and, and what he's been through while working at different levels. Uh, he's, he's originally from Colorado. He went to Grand Canyon University to study and play. Uh, he's worked in collegiate USL, United, when the U.S. Academy, the MLS. He's, he's worked at every level. So without further ado, I want to welcome Joey Hardy to the podcast. Joey, how are you, man? Good, Josh. Appreciate you for having me on. No, of course, of course. So Joey, just to jump right into it, kind of talk about where you are and what you do currently uh, for all the listeners. Yeah. Uh, first, I just want to say I've really enjoyed listening to all of your podcasts. Uh, you've had some quality presenters on, so I'm humbled to be one of the few that have been asked to talk and share my experiences. Uh, so hopefully this conversation is is helpful for us. Well, um, really quick, though, it's a common thread. I ask good people to be on and you're a good person, so it kind of fits in nicely. <laughs> I'm glad you think so. <laughs> Uh, currently, I'm at Sporting Kansas City uh, as the Director of Sports Performance and Science. Um, you know, I guess in, in short, I oversee uh, that department for MLS, USL, and the Developmental Academy teams at Sporting Kansas City. Um, you know, and obviously that entails a lot of the work with the physical preparation, trying to deal with um, how we manage the movement of our players up and down. Uh, from the first team to the second team to the academy and just try to have a real good grasp on our entire pro player pathway, uh, you know, and then being able to work alongside the coaches on a day-to-day. My primary role with the first team is uh, being able to just uh, ensure that the players are uh, doing everything that they need to be doing to be able to work on match day and hopefully help the team have success along the way. Well, everybody talks about vertical integration or going from top to bottom, bottom to top within your club, you know, from the academy through the USL team through the first team, you know, obviously you're overseeing that pathway on the physical performance side of things. What are some of the measures or foundational things you've put in place to not just talk about that, but actually make that happen? Yeah, I mean, I think this is probably going to be a theme throughout our podcast, but the biggest thing for me is really just having the relationships uh, with stakeholders at every level, you know, from our technical director and head coach with the first team, uh, being able to understand what his goals are for the academy and being able to understand what his hopes are um, with players coming in training with us, you know, understanding if it's that we're supposed to work with the players if they come and train in the morning um, and prepare them as if they were getting their own training session that day, or be able to determine if they can come and train with us and then go and train with either our USL team or the Academy, you know, and that's, that's a big piece. I would say is just first and foremost, being able to 
manage movement of players, you know, and that's, that's, um, you know, critical in the development as, as we're trying to make sure players are getting a certain amount of minutes throughout the year, you know, players that are deemed as potential prospects. Uh, and secondly, I would say being able to work with the performance staff and determine that we're, we're all on the same page. Sorry, my dog's going nuts in the background. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Keep going. Home podcast. Um, but yeah, being able to make sure that we have a good understanding from the first team to the B team to the academy of how we're preparing the players, you know, that we're speaking the same language, that the players understand um, what it means to prepare themselves for training, what it means to uh, prevent injuries from, uh, you know, as I say that from a, a prevention standpoint, it's kind of just a term we use with the players to help them understand, you know, resistance training, um, recovery, being able to take care of themselves. And if we're preaching the same message from the top down, then hopefully by the time a player goes through the U12 to U18s to the academy and to the first team, that they have a good understanding of what it means to be a professional athlete and that they've been able to be built over time, um, you know, through, through the game model for one, but then also with all of the additional training that we're able to expose the athlete to. Um, and kind of piggybacking that, I think from the game model, our head coach, Peter Vermees does an unbelievable job and spends a, a, an extraordinary amount of time with our B team and the academy coaches to ensure that they're training in a way that is preparing them to play at our level, you know, and there's a physical piece of that is ensuring that the, the game demands, but also the training demands, especially with the B team as that's our closest link is, is matching um, and sometimes exceeding where, where we're at, you know, so when a player comes up, we're in a place that, you know, we're, we're confident in what the player has been doing that they can, they can perform. And ultimately that the player is, in a position to showcase their own abilities. You know, our job's just to make sure that they're in the best position to seize the opportunity when that opportunity is presented to them. Mm -hmm. Well, you mentioned the game model and the demands of the game model. Obviously, those that are familiar with Sporting Kansas City know that the way you guys play is quite physically demanding. Are there any KPIs or evaluations or measurements that you guys put in place to kind of decide whether or not a player actually is capable of meeting the demands that you're asking? Yeah, you know, I'd say from first from the youth level, you know, a big thing for us is really just trying to understand where the athlete is at, you know, on their maturation status, you know, from peak height velocity is a big one for us to just try to determine if, if the players in the upper echelon of their age group, if you will, you know, if they're more developed than their peers or if they're, you know, just starting to kind of creep into that uh, puberty phase, if you will. And once once we kind of determine that, it's it's easy, you know, you to, to progress them throughout the academy and determine which players are best on, on which teams, you know, and trying to really just educate the coaches and educate the, the performance and medical staff at each level so that they're making sure that the player is, you know, if they are on the underdeveloped side physically that, you know, maybe they're only getting exposed every other week to, you know, an upper age group or that we're making sure they're still having success with um, players that are at the same physical development as them. Um, and then as they go through, you know, I'd say a, a big thing for us is really just trying to assess what our, um, you know, as we determine kind of like our key players are, you know, so, we have different players that we've determined are this, this player as a 
as a forward in our system, as a winger, attacking mid, holding mid, outside back, center back. These are kind of like the players that have succeeded really well for us um, in recent years, you know, and then being able to try to create physical profiles off of those players to determine, you know, when we're signing a player or if a player is um, spending a lot of time with the B team or the first team, where do they line up, you know, and, and are they close? Are they, um, are they, are they able to, you know, produce certain things on the force plate? Are they able to produce certain uh, metrics via GPS? Max speed's a big one for us um, that relates to where they're at on the side of, you know, being able to compete with an intensity side of things. Um, so I would say, you know, without get, getting into the nuts and bolts of all of it, trying to look at those profiles, you know, from a testing standpoint, but also from a, a match demand standpoint, where is that player at, you know, and it's, it's not so specific from the standpoint of, you know, that we, we're going to tell the coach, oh, no, this player isn't able to do this because he is not quite at this point physically. Um, it's really just trying to introduce, you know, the loads in a gradual manner, you know, and being able to bring that player along because if a player is a top prospect and, you know, he's being recruited maybe by scouts or whatever it may be, and, and we're thinking about signing the player, well, ultimately, uh, the first team coaches are going to want to see that player, you know, and so we're not going to hold that player back from coming and being with the first team um, unless there's an injury history or something there. It's just trying to um, really understand the player as they come in and being able to monitor them very closely from the start um, and determine if it's good for them to, to stay training at a higher level, if they're coping with it subjectively and objectively. Um, and if they're not, then it's just having a conversation of, uh, maybe we need to manage the player a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it's obvious you're you're managing a lot of moving parts. You're communicating with a lot of people, and and when you do when you work in that type of environment, there are challenges. Uh, I I like to ask my guests on the show to to talk about challenges they've had or obstacle, especially some bigger ones, because it gives people a clear idea that yeah, you might be working at a good level and you're you're doing a job that you've you've you know some have dreamed of but it's not a linear path. It's a, it is a path that is stop and start. You might go forward and go backwards. Can you think of a, a moment or a time where you had a, a decent obstacle? And if so, how did you react and overcome that challenge? Yeah, you know, if, if I'm being honest, I feel like with every role that I've had throughout my career, you know, I, I felt very underprepared for from the standpoint of I felt, I felt extremely young in the roles that I've been in. Um, you know, with that being said, I, I, I believe I've put myself in positions to, to learn and to absorb and to, to work hard. Um, but with that and being a young coach um, in many different areas, I've, you know, had different paradigm shifts, you know, of, of different things that I thought were absolutes and being able to then have to take a step back through maybe immaturity at times and, and learning the hard way of, you know, maybe, the reality is obviously I don't know everything, you know, and being able to understand that I need to listen before I speak and try to um, grasp what um, the coaches around me are really trying to do. And I think one obstacle that really sticks out is early on in my career, I worked with a coach who uh, didn't, didn't value what I traditionally thought of physical preparation. You know, it, it was a complete paradigm shift for me, you know, and being able to work with this coach, it was, it was very frustrating. It's, starting off, you know, from a, 
good examples from a resistance training standpoint. This, this coach did not believe in traditional resistance training as we would think of it. Um, he did not believe in isolated fitness or conditioning without the ball, you know, and for me, uh, there were certain things that I thought the guys needed during the week to stay healthy from a resistance training standpoint. There were certain things that I wasn't seeing us get in the training sessions. So my first thought was, well, if we were to supplement with isolated fitness, then that solves the problem, which I think both those things are true. And I think both of those, both of those things can happen, but it, it came to a little bit of a couple of abrasive conversations with this coach. And for me to really understand at a young age that what the role that I play is, is to advise the head coach. The role that I play is to understand what the head coach wants. It does not matter the level, you know, it doesn't matter um, really anything. If you're going to work in the team setting, the coach is the one who's, whose head is on the line. Um, and so I had to learn to be able to work within that model and to be able to think outside the box in terms of achieving those things that I mentioned, which is if the players aren't getting what they need in the training sessions, well, I need to be able to meet and understand what the coach is trying to accomplish in the training sessions and, and be able to be more strategic in how I'm communicating with him. Um, and that actually improved our relationship because now I was taking the angle of um, asking questions as opposed to saying, hey, we're not getting this. We need to do this. You know, I was asking questions and saying, hey, look, um, would we be able to change this in the training session to ensure that the players are getting this? Would that fit into what you're trying to do? Um, from a resistance training standpoint, being able to put a lot more emphasis of work on the field with plyometrics, with, um, you know, acceleration training, resisted work, medicine balls, stuff like that, that the coach uh, was good with and appreciated. It, it really kind of opened my eyes. And, you know, we actually made it to the cup final. We had one of the lowest injury rates of any team that I've been a part of. Um, and so at the end of the year, you know, there's a little bit of, I remember telling uh, my wife has said, you know, I think I just realized how unimportant I thought or my role is compared to what I really thought it was. You know, I thought that I had all the answers and that there was a certain way that things need to be done. And uh, I think that experience overall really allowed me to you know, move into a position of just really trying to seek and understand different training models and keeping that at the forefront of my mind that every coach works differently. And there's a million ways to skin a cat. You know, the ultimate goal is to try and um, get the players to compete on the weekends, hopefully win games and, you know, have good player availability, you know, and there's not, there's certainly not one way to do that. Um, so yeah, that's, that, that was one that's been pretty influential in my career. Well, that's fantastic because that, that's the reality of the position. I know, as, as you know, and I think others working in it, we all have our optimal way of doing things, but chances are your op our optimal way as performance, sports science, whatever you want to call us, isn't going to line up with the head coach because they're looking through a different lens. They're thinking about things differently. And I think it's good advice that you're saying is if you're going to work in this business, educate yourself on all the different approaches to training, whether it's tactical periodization or games-based approaches or whatever it might be. Um, I just, you need to educate yourself on, educate yourself on everything because you're going to have a coaching change at some point or go work for a different coach. And if you're not prepared for that, that's when the job gets really tough. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty eye opening. you know, there's, everyone does things differently. And so at times it's, it's hard to, to know, you know, if you're doing the right thing, but ultimately it's, 
it, it's being able to understand what the coach wants and and making sure that you have a good pulse on uh, his feedback on his expectations because ultimately he's the one that's going to determine what's done on the training pitch and if we're not able to communicate you know as a performance coach in the team setting someone who has uh, the responsibility of advising if we're not able to communicate that then I'd say everything else is a little bit uh, futile. But it sounds like it comes down to ego and you as an educated person with experience who's had success in what you do, how in that situation were you able to put your ego away and just move on with it? Yeah, you know, I think no one likes to live in a world where you're not getting along with the people that you're spending so much time with, you know, and I, and that, that was really what it came down to. And, um, I, I just got to the point where I, I realized, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not enjoying this. I'm not enjoying thinking that what I'm doing is uh, I'm not appreciated. And so, you know, I, I think I just was looking for ways to find value in my role, you know, and to find value in my role, I wanted to contribute to, Feel, at least feel like I was contributing to the success of the team, you know, and, and that meant you're either, you're either jumping ship or you're going to, you know, figure out a way to kind of be a part of the crew. And for me, it was, it was, you know, the latter, you know, being able to be a good team member um, and being able to kind of put my ego aside was just, you know, you don't really have a choice, you know, and it was, it was a good learning experience for me. Like I said, it, it's not natural. You know, we all think we have the the right answers, but, you know, being able to understand was, was, you know, massive for me. And I actually began to have a, a pretty good relationship with that coach, you know, and I actually think he was a great coach, you know, and looking back, I learned a lot just from the way that he trained the players. I think he had a fantastic game model, you know, and it actually allowed me to be able to take away from that, a lot from that experience. Mm -hmm. Well, as a director of sports performance and science and at Sporting Kansas City, you're trying to be successful. You're trying to be successful as a team. You're trying to be successful as an individual within the team. Do you think you can separate those two? Can you be successful within your role without even taking into account what the team's doing on the field? That's a great question. You know, I, I it's interesting because, you know, our our mantra within the team, you know, is everything that we do is about competing and competing to win, you know, and so being able to separate what I do from the success of the team, I don't think we can do that, but I do think that there are benchmarks and there are things that um, within my individual role that I can look to, uh, to confirm that I'm having success within the team environment, you know, so that if, if we, if we lose, you know, or don't achieve what our goals are at the end of the season, um, obviously it's it's devastating for everyone involved. Everyone wants to lift the trophy at the end of the season, but what were the positives to take away and what were the negatives to improve upon? Um, it's, I think it can be somewhat objective. So, you know, finding different ways to put objective criteria to that is, is important, um, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis, but, yeah, from the from the team success and the individual success, is it synonymous? Uh, it should be, but it's tough. I don't I don't know if I'm answering your question. No, but. a lot of people. It's a hard question to um, answer because first off, there's that fear you're gonna look. You might be selfish in saying, "Yeah, I can, I can be successful in my role," but then it's like, "Well, no, I can't be because 
the team wasn't successful. So what I did, it, it's challenging. And I, I guess my sure. follow-up question is, this team success can that only be measured in trophies or can your team have a successful year and not win MLS cup or win the U S open cup? I, I think that's coach dependent club dependent, you know, it, it's all based on the goals that are set. Yeah. You no. Know? And I think with anything, it's kind of like, you know, at, at the beginning of the year, people set goals for themselves. You know, if, if you don't meet all the goals, was it an unsuccessful year or, is there still things that you felt like were successful? And I do think, um, you know, I'm fortunate to work with a staff that has been together for a long time, you know, and a club that has, you know, a history within the league for a long time, you know, so I'm coming into a place that has um, core values, that has a strong culture that the players are bought into um, what the staff is, is trying to do and that there's certain expectations that, um, are expected to be met. Um, but I, I, I think at the end of the day, uh, at least from, from our perspective, you know, winning at the professional level is everything, you know, and that's kind of, as, as I'm speaking about this, it, it also brings me to the idea that there's different success criteria for um, every property within our club, the first team, the USL team, and the academy, you know, and, and being able to train the players in a way at the academy level that they're they're learning to compete and learning to um, have a desire and understanding of how to win and how to deal with loss you know to where at the usl level it's still about preparing those players for the first team but winning is everything within the first team environment um, so to be able to also put an emphasis on winning at that level so the players have an understanding of you know, what it takes to have the mindset to win, I think is, is important, you know, especially with our younger players. Um, and and at, the, at the same time, you're looking at different, different players on the roster, you know, what players are, um, you know, developmental, what players are not and the players that are de developmental, you know, maybe you go through a year and the team wins the MLS cup and they didn't play a minute, you know, or maybe, you had a player who's a veteran player and they played every minute and the team didn't win. You know, there's different success criteria for, for everyone involved with one ultimate goal of, of winning, you know? And I think one thing that I've started to realize is, you know, the, the players, it's, it's their career, you know? And so I'm trying to help them uh, have the, the best chance at succeeding, you know, and the more that we can do that to keep players on the field, to, um, understand what they want out of their career is, is massive. Mm -hmm. uh, and so being able to kind of take that, that stance is, has been important as well. Well, it, it sounds like to me, so correct me if I'm wrong. And I, I think I, I agree with this. It's not black and white. You weren't, Oh yeah, we had a successful year. Oh, this year was a failure. It's it. There's a lot of different things. There's a lot of success. There's a lot of failures that could happen in different areas and different components of the club, but some of them just have more weight behind them. And with the first team at the professional level, there's obviously going to be more weight with winning games than there is in some of the other things that you might measure success or failure. For sure. You know, it's like I said, I, I, I completely agree at the professional level. I mean, people's jobs depend on winning and losing, you know, that that's just the reality. Um, and so it's just keeping in the, in everything in good perspective of, of what, does my role entail to contribute to that success? To that success? Um, but at the end of the day is, 
if, if we lose too many games, does that mean I'm going to get fired? Well, I don't know. It could. So what, what do I need to do to make sure that I'm doing everything I can to make sure that the players are available to have the best chance to win games? Well, in your career, you know, you're still obviously young and you've been doing this for a little while already because you started at such a young age. Has your idea of success changed from those days back doing warmups in Arizona to <laughs> now working with the, the first team at sporting? Has your idea of success kind of just, has it been fluid as you've gone through your career? Yeah, I, I, it's changing. I feel like every year, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis, the idea of success, I think early on for me was much more dependent on um, specific improvements, if you will, you know, from maybe a traditional strength conditioning background of, you know, improvements in strength, improvements in jump height, improvements in speed, improvements in conditioning, you know, all these different things that are benchmarks, you know, and as you progress in the team setting and also as you progress in the level that you're working at and the the expectations of you. I've, I've started to, I think, shift and understand that the best thing that I can do is, is have um, successful relationships, you know? And I think there's three, three primary tiers of that for me. It's, it's first and foremost with the head coach. Um, it's secondly with the players. And third, in my individual role, it's, it's ensuring that my relationship with the medical staff is, mm -hmm fantastic you know i i'm fortunate in the current role that i'm in that i have good relationships in all three of those tiers um, but you know from the head coach standpoint to be able to perform my job i need to be able to communicate with them i need to be able to talk to him about uh, concerns that i might have about a player i need to be able to communicate um, the the things that i'm seeing from data that i'm collecting with the players um, on the on the training pitch during games um, to help us, you know, have a little bit more objective criteria to why we're doing what we're doing, you know, in terms of um, spaces of drills, uh, numbers of players, the the bouts that we're doing, you know, rather than just doing that on the fly of making sure that we're very specific, depending on what phase of the season we're in, depending on what has happened the last three weeks, depending on what's coming these next three weeks. So my relationship with the head coach to be able to have an honest conversation of just being able to give him information so he can make hopefully better decisions um, is, is massive. You know, and from the player standpoint, I alluded to it a little bit earlier. Um, you know, it's not about, at least for me, it's not about making the players do what I believe they need. It's trying to help them understand and ask questions to do what they think they need and, and to try to guide them along that process. You know, we have certain things that are expectations in our club uh, from, you know, strength training, from recovery, from nutrition, from preparation. And so with all those different aspects, I'm trying to create individual goals, individual plans with all the players to show them, hey, this would be an optimal way for you to do this. What do you think? Do you agree with this? No, you don't really like doing that before training. Okay, well, what can we do that you do like that would also help you? And being able to have those conversations with the players um, is, is really important, you know, to be successful and helping them be the best athlete that they can, helping them understand uh, that what they're eating outside of the facility matters, that supplements they're taking, that they need to check with their dietitian and make sure that those are helping them and not hindering them from a recovery standpoint, when should they be doing certain modalities? 
how often should they be doing them? You know, just trying to help them, you know, find the right ways that they can improve themselves as opposed to just trying to say, Hey, look, this is what you need to be doing. You need to do an ice bath on this day. Hey, you need to be in the gym and you have to foam roll and you have to stretch and you have to do stability work, you know, all these things I believe in. And there's certain things that are um, non-negotiables, but at the same time, I need to be able to create space for the players to have some autonomy. Um, so that's, that's kind of, you know, the way I've, I view success and working with the players. And, and third, from the medical staff standpoint, again, I'm, I'm fortunate. I work with unbelievable uh, professionals, people that are great at their job, but just overall good people in general um, and, and individuals who really care about the athletes, care about the care that they give. Um, and so being able to have a good relationship with them is everything to being able to have a good understanding of where players are and being able to be in constant communication of, you know, what players dealing with what, how do we stay on top of certain things? If a player is coming back from an injury, how do we make sure that we're communicating to the player and the coaches, the right information regarding if an injury occurred, what that return to play or return to performance plan is. Um, and so again, I think early on, I was so caught up in as really anyone is on the idea of what has to happen as opposed to just having a really good grasp on what is going on, what has happened, what is coming, um, as well as just focusing on the relationships above everything else, you know, and if, if we have a good understanding in our job of what needs to be done and, and can have good relationships, I think the communication piece is what's going to help all of that succeed, you know, being able to communicate with the coaches, with the players, and with the medical staff um, on a day-to-day -day basis. And to be able to do that, you have to, you have to be someone that they want to communicate with and want to share information with. Well, anybody listening to you kind of speak so eloquently about just what you do and how you approach relationships is probably thinking, wow, this guy's pretty good at his job. You know, he's, he's got it figured out. He's, he doesn't need any help. He doesn't need to grow, but we, we, we know that's not true. We know no matter where you're at and what position you are there, we have weaknesses and Joey Hardy currently 2021 working at sporting Kansas city. Where's an area you need to grow. You can't say everything. Cause that's a cop out, but <laughs> you can say, you can kind of deliberately point at one area that you're like, I'm not good enough here yet. I got to get better there. Does anything come to mind? Yeah, many. I mean, I think the hard part is actually trying to target and focus on one thing at a time. You know, it's, it's easy to get caught up in. There's so much information out there. You know, there's always something new that people are doing. You hear about, I know at least for myself, I hear about something other people are doing. I'm like, geez, we're not doing that. Like, do we need to be doing that? You know, and so it's always good to just come back to the basis and focus on the fundamentals. Um, but two areas for me that um, currently, you know, I, I feel like I'm really trying to get better at, um, and I'm, I'm really on that journey is for one, just, just an overall understanding of, you know, tactical analysis as it pertains to match demands. You know, I, I think it's really difficult to be able to give, um, good feedback to coaching staff, especially after a game, you know, relative to, you know, coaches all the time ask, Hey, how is the data from the game? You know, and, and you're looking, you're kind of like, if you just look at the physical data, which is an easy thing to do, you're saying, well, this guy did this much more than what he typically does. This guy did this much more than he typically does this guy, um, you know, whatever the list can go on, but being able to 
work with the coaches and uh, we have a great performance analyst named Ashley Wallace at our club that I've been trying to spend a lot of time with. Great guy. Uh, unbelievable knowledge of the game. Um, also has a, actually a great understanding of the physical side as well. And just try to work with him and understand, you know, when a player or when a team has, for instance, uh, a, a big jump in sprint distance in a game. Well, let's say we won the game or we lost the game, whatever it is, trying to understand where did those uh, sprints come in, you know, and, and trying to talk to him as he's really analyzing the way we played and working alongside him to give objective feedback. Um, and so that that's a big piece that I've just, I'm really trying to wrap my head around is, you know, finding those moments that are actually relative to our model of play and trying to be able to give information that's um, helpful, you know, not just to share information to feel like I have something to share because uh, it's not always helpful to to give information, you know, sometimes it's better to give less information. Um, and then I would say the second piece is really just trying to improve, you know, my ability as a, as a practitioner on the SNC side and the rehab side within our club. Um, we have, we have great medical professionals who, again, I'm, I always try to focus on the people, you know, that I work with because I work with great people and, and try to pick their brains and, and understand the direction of, of where they're trying to go and use that information to seek out uh, different areas to improve on. Um, so from the SNC rehab side, you know, there's limited windows. And I think this is back to what I said earlier on trying to find value in my role. There's limited windows to do of maybe what traditional strength conditioning is in the team setting, especially at the professional level. And so being able to add, add to what we're doing is I need to be better at understanding the human body always, you know, I need to be better at um, understanding how to improve deficiencies in athletes, you know, from just a mobility standpoint, from a stability standpoint, from a strength standpoint, um, and try to just understand if, if what I think we're doing works, well, why is that, you know, does it work, you know, so that's, that's a big piece. I think that's pretty all encompassing. Uh, and are two massive facets to my job, you know, being able to communicate to coaches and being able to help players feel good come game day, you know, so those are big, two big areas for me um, that I'm, I'm really just trying to feel, trying to improve myself on. Mm -hmm. Well, there's going to be a day where you step away from sporting Kansas City for whatever reason, either 30 years from now you retire or you move on to a different project or they get rid of you because there's too many injuries there's going to be a day where you step away. And if I went back to people at the club at that time, and I, I brought your name up and I talked about you, what would you hope they would say about you? <laughs> um, I think first and foremost, you know, what I, what I hope people think about me of who I, who I work with is that I'm just someone who's, who's humble and is, is willing to help out in any area, you know, that there's a lot of people who do incredible work at our club, um, you know, from our equipment managers to our team administrators, medical staff, the list goes on, you know, and I, I just want to be someone who is always available to, to help, you know, that no one feels like, oh, I, he, he's not willing to do that, you know, that there's, there's nothing that I'm obviously too important to help with, you know, if it's getting bags off the plane, whatever it is, I, I hope people see that and think that about me and that I'm, you know, someone that's easy to talk to. Oh, that's excellent. Well, in your life, 
I'm sure there's been numerous amounts of people that have given you advice, but has any stuck out that you uh, maybe in challenging times kind of lean on a little bit to, to kind of get you back in the right mindset? Yeah, I'd say there's, there's two things that stick out. Um, one is a piece of professional advice um, that I was given by someone who I really respect, um, Darcy Norman. And he told me, um, he kind of spent a lot of time with me as I transitioned to the role that I'm currently in and just give me advice on different things. And one thing that he said is the best thing that you can do in your job is to be a great historian. Um, and that, that really stuck with me, you know, and that kind of goes along with some of the other stuff I said of just not giving too much information, just trying to have a really good understanding of, you know, what has happened in the past from training sessions to games to injuries and being able to just provide information as conversations come up in my current role. Um, and just being able to uh, keep track of things, taking notes of things, uh, that advice has saved me a lot, you know, of not trying to give my opinion, but rather just when conversations are coming up about a player coming back from an injury to a game, when it's talking about a certain training week or certain training exercise of just being like, well, you know, when this happened, the outcome was this, whether that's right, whether that's wrong, it's objective information. Mm -hmm. um, so that that's advice that I think will stick with me for a long time if I'm able to keep doing what I'm doing um, and second is a little bit more of a scenario that happened to me personally uh, in the professional setting um, it was when I was a graduate assistant at Grand Canyon University and uh, our director of sports performance there was a guy named Chuck Howard um, and Chuck's a phenomenal dude um, one of the most charismatic guys I've ever came across you know can just capture the room um, and, and talk to anyone. I mean, I just have a lot of respect for him, but, you know, I had a lot, a lot of stuff going on in my life at the time. And I had a couple scenarios where I, I was late to work uh, on back-to-back -back days. You know, we had early training sessions. I was working with the tennis team at Grand Canyon at the time. And I was late for two of my sessions. And I remember the first, first time it happened, he just jumped in, you know, and, and took over for me. And the second time it happened, he, he didn't say anything, um, but he asked me to come into his office that afternoon. And, you know, I was fully expecting to just, you know, kind of be told, you know, like, what are you doing? Like, you're, you need to figure this out. You're terrible at your job, you know, just anything. I didn't know if I was going to be fired or what, you know, and, and the first thing he said to me, he sat down and he just looked at me and said, Hey, is everything all right? Um, you know, and just that, that moment of grace that he showed me, um, of not coming down hard on me. You know, it, he obviously told me what, what I did was wrong and we talked about it and we had a discussion, but he cared. Um, and so for me, I, I've really taken that and um, especially being in a role now where I haven't had a lot of experience, you know, managing people, if you will, and being able to just remember that everyone needs to be shown grace, you know, that it, it's, you never know what's going on in people's lives. And so you're probably not gonna go wrong by, you know, showing grace before you want to, you know, criticize someone, you know, and, and just giving everyone the benefit of the doubt, making sure everything's okay, opening the line of communication. And, you know, that it meant a lot to me. And so I've kind of taken that and, you know, I hope that I can be able to have moments like that where, you know, people are comfortable, you know, and feel like, you know, maybe they should have been in trouble for something or they did something wrong. 
you know, we're all going to make mistakes. There's so much going on in our, in our jobs, you know, at, at the team level in the middle of the season. And so just stuff gets dropped, you know, it's okay. Like being able to just show grace to people, I think is, is massive. Oh, that's excellent. Well, last question. And it's a big one for you because two people have mentioned your name in this section. So <laughs> people obviously think pretty, <laughs> pretty highly of you, but this is your chance, man, to, to raise somebody, one person, two people, however many people you want, raise them up a little bit and just kind of tell people why th these people are so special in, in your life. Yeah. I mean, I actually wish I could just go down a list and just share a ton of names. And, you know, there's so many people that, that mean a lot to me, you know, and obviously from the professional side, there's, there's some guys that I talk to a lot, you know, and one is James Collins with the new England revs, uh, you know, great guy had the privilege of working with him at sporting Kansas city. I think he is just always trying to do the right thing for the club, no matter if it's a tough situation, um, you, you've worked with James, so I know you, you have similar thoughts, but just an all around good guy really cares, always checks in. Um, and I, I say all that as him as a person, but he, he's phenomenal at his job. Um, second, I, honestly, I, I have to just list people that I work with because I'm fortunate. I know that on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, I, I would go insane if I wasn't able to have these people along my side and, you know, on our medical staff, Kurt Andrews, our head athletic trainer, Chris Wilbert, our physical therapist. Um, both of them are just phenomenal individuals, very good at their jobs. I've worked with them for a number of years. Um, Alfonso Thompson works with me on the first team level, and he's really just grown into his role, does a phenomenal job. Um, and, and there's many others, but yeah, I work with great people at my club. And I think the last person, uh, it'd be a miss if I didn't say it, but Josh McAllister, my man, <laughs> honestly, for everyone who knows you, it's a privilege uh, not to make you blush. We're on Zoom right now, so I can see your face, but I, you you are someone who always um, checks in, you know, just as a, a friend, but also uh, as a mentor, as someone in, in the business who does great work. So, uh, you know, I, I think you're you're doing a great job with everything that's going on in your life and your career lots of respect for you. Oh, I appreciate it, man. I'm glad this is not going to be a video because I'm usually <laughs> a, a shade of red, but you just made me like 10 more shades of red. So. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. That, I, that means a lot. Well, you know what I think of you? You're one of the best. You're a good guy, but you're phenomenal at your job. So I, I wish you nothing but the best of luck this year. Obviously, I Sporting Kansas City is always a, a club that's kind of near and dear to my heart from my time there. So I always wish... I always watch your games and hope you guys get good results. So all yeah, the best. Good. Good, good luck with everything. And uh, thanks again, man. Yeah, thanks, Josh. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thanks. Thanks again for taking the time to listen. I really do hope this podcast was able to help you in any way, even if small. If you really enjoyed it, please share with anybody, family, friends, throw it on one of your social media streams. Uh, it always helps to spread the word. Thanks again. Thank you.